Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. Down the sideline. If he can get loose, he's gone. Illigway will score. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. All right, Georgia Southern fans, welcome to another episode of Georgia Southern Extra. I'm Travis Jadon, the beat writer for Georgia Southern Athletics at the Savannah Morning News and savannahnow.com. Uh, we got a great episode for you guys today. We're going to be previewing fall camp as the Eagles get ready to uh, back up a, a 2018 season that was really incredible You know, by every metric you look at. Uh, so on this episode, we'll get you ready for the August 2nd start of fall camp. Players report August 1st, and the first practice will be at beautiful Eagle Creek on August 2nd at 8 a.m. early on. Uh, before we started, I want to tell you guys about a special offer we've got going on at savannahnow.com. This offer offers you the chance to access um, unlimited articles on Savannah Now. And, and really, this is the best way to check out what we offer and, and kind of what's available to you guys uh, without having to commit to too much money-wise or length-wise. So what you want to do is visit savannahnow.com slash digital only offer for a trial subscription, which costs you less than a combo meal, um, gives you the ability to read any of the older off-season stories you might have missed, as well as the access to the stories coming all through camp, uh, including previews on both sides of the ball, updated depth charts, you know, and any breaking news that might come out of camp. Uh, you know, I think things like the JD King um, issue that we'll get into shortly here, things like that are kind of unsolved right now there's a lot of stuff that, that will be coming out of camp that you guys will want to be able to access so uh, you know i would say do that visit digitalonlyoffer.com savannahnow.com slash digital only offer um and if you don't think it's worth it you know then cancel it but but what you get is 30 days for free um and then after that it's 7.99 a month but try it out for for the next 30 days see what you think and then if you don't like it cancel it you know i, I think that if you sign up for it, you get those 30 days for free. You'll see that, that it's worth that price. And really, I think that it's worth it if you're, if you're looking to track Georgia Southern kind of on a deeper level, especially during football season. Uh, we do have Mike Anthony with us. Uh, Mikey Memory, as some of you might know, Mike from the Statesboro Herald, the beat writer there and the sports editor there. Um, at the Statesboro Herald. So, Mike, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. How you doing? But I, I want to start, Mike, on offense um, as we preview fall camp for Georgia Southern starting August 2nd in Statesboro. I want to start on offense with some of the um, storylines and position battles we'll see there. Let's start right at the quarterback position um, where we've heard all offseason about how the offense will expand for Wirtz, uh, you know, under in year two under DeBess and DeBess year two with Wirtz. So when I was in Statesboro on Tuesday, July 23rd, I had the chance to talk with Coach DeBess about some of the things um, on the offensive side of the ball. And that was one of the first things I asked him, you know, Coach, is the expanding of a playbook in year two, is it overstated um, or does that actually matter? Will the playbook actually be um, visibly expanded? Listen to what Coach DeBess had to say about that. It may be overstated, but it's accurate. Yeah. Okay. And those, the reason I say it may be overstated is maybe from the outside looking in, you think there can be just this major, right. major, um, you know, revamping or renovation or expansion of the offense. There has to be expansion of the offense because we can't be who we were in 2018 and expect to um, have the same results because people are too good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they, people have played us. 
a year. They they studied us. They yeah, if they didn't like their plan, they changed their plan to what they think would be a better plan. Um, we can't be who we were from a you know percentage standpoint, run to pass, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, we have to expand the run game. Um, we have to constantly try to look different as far as our presentations are concerned. So yes, um, in answer to your question, one of our goals in spring ball was to take certain areas of the offense, whether it be cadence, whether it be passing game, whether it be whatever, and start to just vary it a little bit. Start, yeah. to, start to have more variations to it. All right, so you heard Coach DeBest there talking about how, yeah, it might be a little overstated, but it's also uh, true. I mean, it, it's true in the sense that Wirtz will have more uh, to work with this year as far as the different uh, pre-snap sets and, and the presentations. Um, but, you know, it might not be something that is visible to the naked eye. So for me, Mike, the, the biggest thing with Wirtz this year and year two uh, with DeBest is pre-snap. and the best has said this before. He wants Shy Wirtz to be in the position to where he can run the show on his own. Now, you don't want to put too much on his plate. It's a fine line. But last year, we harped on it. A, a, you know, after a few games, um, there was a tendency for Georgia Southern to be a little bit stagnant. They, you know, oftentimes they wouldn't come out of the huddle um, until maybe 12, 10 seconds left on the clock. And then by the time you get to the line, it doesn't matter what you see. Uh, you don't have time to adjust it or else take a timeout to avoid the delay of game. But, Mike, all I want to see from Shy Wirtz this year is 12 games healthy, um, hopefully 13 or 14 games healthy. And I want to see him just continue to make good decisions with the ball. I hope, and I don't think this will happen, but I hope that he doesn't feel the need uh, to take to, to shoulder too much of the burden um, on the offensive side of the ball. And it might be easy to do that starting off at LSU if things start poorly for Wirtz to kind of maybe take a little too much on on his shoulders. I guess, what do you look for from Wirtz this year um, that maybe you weren't looking for last year as far as um, his performance goes? Well, one thing that he kept bringing up every time we talked to him last year was how he felt comfortable. And when he said that, he meant with the guys around him. Uh, throwing into the fire his freshman year, you could see him running around. He knows he's athletic. He tried to do like you said, a little bit too much himself. I think last year you saw him start to really trust the guys around him. And now to continue that trend, I think that what the best was getting at is that this year he wants to be comfortable, you know, with himself, with what he sees, trusting, you know, not having to check back to the sideline or, you know, give a, a sideways look to make sure, am I doing the right thing? I think the next uh, natural step in his progression, and, you know, he's got the benefit of having started as a, as a freshman, so he gets a lot of time to – to uh, to progress like that is to to know that the guys around you are going to be able to get the job done. Now it's time for you to be comfortable in what you do, which might mean uh, changing things up, not being afraid to change things up. You've been in the film room so many hours at this point that you do know what to do. It's back there somewhere. You know, does he now have uh, the the confidence and uh, being comfortable enough in his own skin to be able to, even with a hundred thousand people with Death Valley screaming at you and a uh, top 10 defense like LSU usually has bearing down on you is he going to be comfortable enough and confident enough in himself to say hey I've seen this before it's going to be tough but here, here's what we do I know this is the the best thing that I can do to put our offense in a place to succeed 
Yeah, and I, you know I expect a lot from Wurtz this year. He'll he'll enter the year um, number six in Sun Belt history in rushing yards by a quarterback, which is remarkable. He's about if, uh, off the top of my head, I think he's about fourteen hundred yards shy of the top mark in the Sun Belt all time for career rushers by a quarterback. So so that is pro. I mean that's within reach, I guess, this year, but. Uh, certainly, if he has a good year this year, that he'll be right on pace to break that early on um, in 2020. So, but we know kind of what works is Mike, and for for how confident and I guess how sure we are and what Wirtz will offer, I am as uh, not confident and unsure as to what's behind him. And you know, I I don't know if I'm the only one that kind of looks at the backup quarterback position. Um, I think several you know, thousand fans share your thoughts there. Well, I mean, you know, it's an interesting thing, Mike, because last year and look, the best said last year that, you know, when shy was running the ball and when he took a couple big hits, they were holding their breath. I mean, he used that Mm -hmm. terminology, holding their breath. Now he, they were confident in what LeBaron Anthony could do at quarterback, but what LeBaron Anthony could do at quarterback just frankly, wasn't a lot. Um, And, you know, there, there are times where you would like to have a guy that you can at least put in and kind of shoulder some of the burden to avoid some of those hits for words, especially if you're being blown out or, um, you know, if you're blowing the other team out and last year, that really wasn't an option for Georgia Southern. Um, you know, I, I think of the Eastern Michigan game with LeBaron Anthony and that miraculous. Holy <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Malik Murray recovered. I think it was Malik Murray, um, recovered, um, that fumble uh, in the Camellia Bowl that Georgia Southern fans won't soon forget. Um, I also think of the Coastal Carolina game. <clears throat> um, Georgia Southern, I don't think, had lost a fumble um, in, in quite a long time uh, up until the Coastal Carolina game, and that fumble happened when Justin Tomlin entered the game on his first drive. Uh, so there were questions last year behind Wirtz, and there are certainly those questions remaining this year. When I asked the best – if finding a, a number two quarterback and naming a number two quarterback, um, kind of not just going with the backup by committee, what was a stated goal um, of this training camp. And he said flatly, yes, that it is a stated goal of training camp, finding a number two quarterback and getting those guys, quote, game ready reps. So, you know, that's something that I'm going to be watching for all fall camp long. And the, the battle is going to come down to this. It's going to come down to Justin Tomlin versus Jalen Frazier. And if both of those guys completely wet the bed, then you would think maybe there's an outside shot. Jaden Jenkins gets a look. I think if Jaden Jenkins is involved at all in the number two quarterback discussion, something has gone terribly wrong. Um, for a guy that's not an early enrollee, a true freshman quarterback, that guy should have time to learn. That's certainly what DeBess and Lunsford want. But Mike, I mean, we've discussed Frazier versus Tomlin a bunch of times before. I guess if you had to start a game tomorrow with one of those guys, which one would you be more confident in? Or or maybe the better way to ask it is, is which one would you be less confident in? Uh, you know, you mentioned game ready reps and you've seen so little of any of them in a game situation that I think it'd be pretty unfair to just say, I definitely would go with this guy or the other. 
I guess right. I would lean towards Tomlin, uh, uh, and that's basically due to the fact that he's actually seen a snap in a game, albeit one that he fumbled. Uh, uh, he's seen more game action than uh, Jenkins, but I think that you know, despite not seeing these guys on the field, them not getting into games before, the the one advantage that they do have is it's their second year with the best as well. And just because you don't see them on the field on Saturday doesn't mean that they're not learning the offense on uh, Monday through Friday. So they are getting a little bit more comfortable. I would have to assume, obviously, it'll be cranked up uh, to a whole different level if and when they're called upon to get into the game. So I think overall there would be – a little bit more confidence this year on that sideline uh, if you uh, had to put someone else in the game aside from Wirtz. But, you know, the fact remains that when you run an option offense and Shy isn't the biggest guy in the world, you mentioned he's in the top 10 in rushing yards uh, career-wise for a quarterback. The only way that you get to that point is if you're probably also in the top 10 and taking hits as a quarterback in the Sun Belt. So, right. again, it's going to be just a measured uh, – approach to what can shy words do he can be a spark plug plug you've uh, seen him single-handedly win some games for georgia southern but that comes with the inherent risk of sticking your neck out there and taking some shots so as far as the backup quarterbacks go i will say that i think this year from a raw athletic standpoint they're in a better spot than they've been in the last few years and i would also I think that for the first time in four years having the same offensive coordinators you had the year before that's got to go a long way too, even if you don't necessarily see it as a fan, if you're not out on the practice field. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think uh, that's, that's a good way of putting it actually is that it's, you know, you're not in the situation you want to be with your backup quarterbacks yet, but you're certainly on the track. I mean, you're, I think you're improving and you're seeing um, kind of a building of depth for all the depth that Georgia Southern has at certain positions. um, They have sorely missed, you know, legitimate depth at, at, that position, you know, and well, I don't want to say they sorely miss it because Wirtz has played, but you know, it's been a spot where like the best said, you're just holding your breath. So often. Well, and also and I, remember where they're coming from the year before you uh, uh, were looking at shy Wirtz there taking the snaps, you had had two straight years of, you could argue probably the best tandem quarterback uh, duo in all of college football history. How often do you see two guys who are as interchangeable as, Ellison and Upshaw, where both of them had the same amount of experience, both of them had very similar skill sets, and on top of that, they both got along to the point where they're encouraging each other and not worrying about who's getting in, who's getting reps, who's staying fresh, who's getting the sack. So that's uh, that was finding a unicorn for Georgia Southern, and to go from that to a very talented uh, uh, quarterback in shy words, but with no apparent backup and not enough time to to get those guys game reps and get them game ready. You know, you're going from one world to another in the, in the span of one off season. And now two years later, you're still trying to build up that backup position. Yeah. And you're not going to find Upshaw and Ellison just laying around. Um, that's you know, just I, not going to happen again. Yeah, it won't happen. But, but, you know, on that note, you want to, I think you don't want to come two years from now and have a quarterback battle between an unproven and an unproven. And so I think, mm-hmm. you, you know, you've got, You've got, what, about 25, 26, 27, 28 games to figure that out, hopefully, for Georgia Southern's sake. All right, let's uh, let's jump to the skill players, Mike. And then, obviously, you know, there's a lot of guys, as far as skill players go, for Georgia Southern, who I just think are really good dudes on the field. I mean, there's no other way of putting it. There's a lot of guys that can do a little bit of everything. And for me, obviously, you can't start talking about the Georgia Southern offense without – hitting on the running backs. 
you know, for as much uh, cloudiness as there was there at that position, I think it's going to come into focus pretty quickly here in fall camp. You'll have Logan Wright and Matt LaRoche, um, along with multi-purpose guy Wes Kennedy. Obviously, I think those three guys are going to see the bulk of carries. Um, that's not really a, a crazy take, I don't think. Um, at wideout, uh, you have so many guys for an option offense that are legitimate Division One wide receivers. I, it, this has got to be a blessing uh, for Tibet. So you got big play DA and, and Darion Anderson, Colby Ransom, uh, Mark Mashad coming back for his 25th year <laughs> at Georgia Southern, uh, Malik Murray we just touched on. Um, uh, I know Bob the best really likes Malik Murray and what he offers in the slot, you know, and I think of another guy, a true freshman who impressed me in the uh, spring game, Gerald Green, uh, asking Coach Lunsford about him. He said, quote, he's a cross between Wesley Fields and Wes Kennedy, uh, end quote. And if that is true, then count me in because I am in for a hybrid West Fields, West Kennedy type player. But Mike, for, for you, I guess the guys returning um, at the skill positions, who is the guy that you're looking at that, that you think has something a little left to prove in fall camp? Uh, you know, I think guys like Anderson, Ransom, Mashad, Murray, the wide receivers in general, basically, um, they might be jockeying for position, but those guys are going to play no matter what happens in fall camp. I, I think a lot can be determined in the pecking order at running back uh, this fall camp. Uh, for you, what are you hoping to see out of Logan Wright, Matt LaRoche, and, and I guess Kennedy as well? Well, you're always going to have the uh, the question of who holds on to the ball best, who uh, who's reading their blocks, who's executing plays the best, and especially in an option offense, who's out there uh, executing their blocking assignments when the ball's not coming their way. That can play a big part in uh, who the coach and staff depends on to, to put on the field when it's crunch time. But you know, you, you mentioned guys uh, fighting individual battles on the depth chart. That That's always going to be the case in fall camp. But I also think that a lot of the configuration of skill guys on the field is going to come down to what the offense does as a whole. You know, if uh, if Shy takes a, a step forward in the passing game, well, you got to take one of those running backs out of the mix and get someone downfield. You know, you've got Colby Ransom who can burn Darian Anderson. He beat defenses uh, over the top a couple times last year. If you start getting better pass protection and, uh, you know, Wirtz uh, has shown that he can uh, get the ball downfield, if he improves there, especially uh, being accurate downfield, well, you know, that that's a great weapon to have. It's something you can score quick with, but it comes at the expense of taking one of those running backs uh, away from the game. At the same time, you know, you've got an offensive line that has a lot of experience, but it's still nobody would have said it was one of the best offensive lines in the Sun Belt last year. And, you know, if you're not being able to, make holes inside the tackles, running tough when you get down in the red zone. Maybe that comes at the expense of being able to use a guy like Matt LaRoche, whose big uh, weapon that he brings is being able to to get around corners and uh, not so much running in between the tackles. So he could be doing nothing wrong, but the offense is just going to dictate that he can't be as big of a part of it. So, yeah, it's going to make a difference if you're breaking some uh, tackles and uh, holding on to the football in camp, but it could be – that the guys around you, unless they can uh, uh, give the offense as a whole the best chance for you to shine with your talents, you know, you could be uh, on the sideline a little bit more often than you want to be. All right, and then, you know, as far as Wes Kennedy goes, Mike, you, you, we, we know about his running back slash slot status. I guess if, if you had to guess, you think Wes Kennedy has more rushing yards or more receiving yards? I mean, I had this written down at, at you know, 
midsummer, and I still don't know my answer. I, I don't know, you know, how West Kennedy is going to be used, but I can pretty much guarantee this: whether it's slot or running back, West Kennedy is going to be on the field for a large majority of the plays. And I've kind of been going back and looking at some tape from last year and trying to see, you know, when West Kennedy was on the field, not at slot, how they've lined up. Um, a lot of those plays came on first down plays uh, where, you, you know, you're either trying to take a big hit off of play action or you're trying to to run something a little bit more tricky than, than just your straight dive. But, you know, for this year, I think, it, you know, West Kennedy is going to get touches where, where they're not as creative as maybe they were last year, just because you had fields to take kind of the, I guess, quote unquote, uh, uncreative running plays. Um, so I, West Kennedy is obviously going to determine a lot for the slot position and the running back position. But, you know, if you're trying to compare from last year to this year, I would think, you know, you put Logan Wright in the West Fields role. You put uh, Matt LaRoche in the Monteo Garrett plus role. I, I do think LaRoche will have more carries this year than, than Garrett had last year. And then you slot in Kennedy right behind them for a few carries a game. But, you know, do you think, Mike, if I gave you Shy Wirtz or the rest of the team, uh, any single player to lead the team in rushing, would you take Wirtz or the field? Uh, I'm going to take the field. I think that uh, that that goes along with this offense in the second year under the best progressing to the point where, as we said, you know, uh, uh, Wirtz doesn't have to put it all on himself. I think that it's going to vary from game to game. There's some games where, you know, even if he's your best runner, people are just going to scheme to take him away. Or sometimes, you know, if you've got a bigger defensive line like an Arkansas State, they scheme to take away Logan Wright. So even if he's in the middle of a, a great year, when the offense is running well in the option, a lot of times the defense dictates who the ball goes to, and any option coach will tell you that. Uh, you don't necessarily give it to your best runner. You give it to the guy who the defense isn't covering the best. So it's really hard to just pick who's going to lead the team in rushing because you don't know how they're going to uh, uh, defend from week to week. I will say this, and this is just my personal opinion, but going back to my uh, point from a few minutes ago about uh, how the offense's overall strength is going to dictate where the ball goes and who's on the field, I would say that for Georgia Southern to have its best season, I think Wesley Kennedy needs to get at least 60% of his total yard, if not more like 70% on the ground. Because if that happens, that tells me that the running game is being effective. They're getting them on pitches. They're getting them to the corner for big gains. It also means that as far as receiving goes, the ball's going downfield more. When he catches the ball, it's coming out of the backfield. It's underneath the uh, the defense. If more passes are going to guys not named, uh, Kennedy, that means that they're taking shots downfield. Guys are getting open and more big plays are coming in the passing game as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see as far as Kennedy goes, the more he's used on offense, if maybe they'll save some of those hits and some of some of that wear and tear on punt return and kick return. Um, you know, last year, I, I kind of went back and forth on the kick return. To me, it just, I don't, I just don't know if it seems as worth it as it used to, to stick one of your best players back there. Um, they're not returning it as often as they used to. Um, you definitely don't have to worry about ball security like you do on punt returns. You, you put Kennedy back there on a punt because you know he's going to catch it, um, mm -hmm. whether he returns it or not. But as far as a kick return goes, it just seems to run him out there every time after the other team scores for a kick return where he may not even 
exit the end zone. And if he does, um, you know, how much better is your field position going to be than the 25? I don't know. Um, but that'll be interesting to see kind of where they save some of Kennedy's touches uh, that he'll inevitably get. All right, let's jump to the offensive line quickly, Mike, and then we'll get to the defense. I think producer Zach is going to kill me with the length of this one, but <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well, it's pre-camp. Um, so th- here's how DeBeth laid out the offensive line for me, Mike, and this is seems to be pretty cut and dry, but I, I'd like your take on a couple of these guys. All right, from, from left to right, starting at left tackle, um, if the season started today, this is how Georgia Southern would line it up. They'd go Jared Leeds at left tackle, Aaron Dowdell at left guard, Jacob Cooper at center, Lawrence Edwards at right guard, and Brian Miller at right tackle. Two more guys that DeBest made sure to mention that would factor in. At some point, maybe not early on, but at some point, are Caleb Kelly and the true frosh, Javante McGriff, um, who I've heard everyone raving about. He seems to be more of an interior lineman. And I, I do think DeBest and Lunsford are going to get Javante McGriff into some games this year. Um, they might not eclipse that four-game mark for the redshirt, but that'll be interesting to see. Um Mike, for you, and you could tell me more about this than anyone, I think, the left tackle in football has always been so valued. Is it fair to say that it can at least be a little bit less important in an option offense where you're not so worried about the blind side, um, you know, on passing downs? Yeah, it definitely isn't as important to Georgia Southern as it would be to, say, Georgia, where you're going to drop back and pass the ball 20, 30 times a game. And not only that, but you're not sprinting out. You don't have as much athleticism at quarterback as Georgia Southern does and you've really got to be able to defend that spot you know seven yards in back of the the snap you've got to keep that clear so your quarterback can work that's not as much of an issue a with Georgia Southern not throwing it as much and b with Shywards being able to be his own blocker with his feet most of the time but uh you know you you've got to uh uh I think the one benefit that Georgia Southern has with its offensive line is while they're not the biggest they aren't going to be rated as highly amongst the Sun Belt O-lines as other teams. I, I think that they can get away a little bit more uh, with not having the physical attributes uh, of other lines because of the style of offense they play. Now, this isn't the same offensive line that you saw in the Munkin years where uh, you've got three guys in the backfield, you're bulldozing forward, you're cut blocking all the time, and you can have a 250-pound tackle. This isn't that. They've got to be bigger. They do drop back to pass. They've got to be able to create somewhat of a pocket but at the same time you've got very versatile running backs and these are guys who need to be able to hit a guy get to the second level sometimes get out on the edge and continue to block so yeah I think that you need more versatility and while it's always good to have a cohesive line where it's the same five guys playing together knowing what they can do the good part about an option offense is more or less those guys can be interchangeable because you're depending mostly on athleticism no matter where on the line you're playing. Yeah, I agree. And a point that needs to be mentioned too, and this was surprising to me, Lunsford uh, last week when I was talking to him about the O-line, he says, you know, the thing that people need to remember is that you you have Ron Hudson back this year, the offensive line coach. And Mike, I, I don't remember what he said, but I know it has been a long time since Georgia Southern had the same offensive line coach two years in a row. And that is, that was just ultra surprising to me having kind of kept up with the program uh, in the years before I, I began covering them. I just assumed that they had stability at that spot. That's what I get for assuming. But, you know, I think that's another plus to go along with this offensive line to, to have Ron Hudson back again and kind of 
the same voice, you know, the same kind of strategies and, and the same methods uh, of doing things can only help a group that's that's going to have to mesh quickly. Um, you know, I did talk to the best a little bit about last year. You remember, Mike, early on, there was uh, a lot of shifting on the line and it wasn't necessarily because they didn't know who their top five guys were. They didn't know they had seven guys they thought could play. And when you got down to four, five, six, and seven, a lot of those guys were interchangeable. But on the offensive line, you kind of work successfully or unsuccessfully as a unit. And so when you take one guy out, you know, I think, for instance, this year, if, if somebody gets removed from the line, just about anywhere on the line, you would think that Jake Cooper would be able to slot to any of those places, maybe Sands left tackle for Cooper, and, and he would be a, the best option you had. But then you have the center position open up. So I think DeBess has made it clear they really want to find a five-man unit and run that unit out every game if they can. Um, so that'll be something to watch for. I don't know that there's gonna be a lot of movement around, you know, who the five, six, seven guys are, but you might see a move from one spot to another. I, I, there's a um, the six-year uh, graduate uh, from uh, UGA who transferred a few years back, and and Jake Edwards, he's available. Um, you, you know, you got some guys that, that you can slide in. I last year they used Peyton Backer. Um, in the Eastern Michigan game and some pretty unique um, formations. He's an option. He's slotted at the number two center spot right now. So plenty to go on at the offensive line. Um, Anything else you want to hit on on the offense, Mike, before we sprint through the defense? No, I would just say that uh, especially uh, as it pertains to the line uh, in an option offense, it's a lot like the backfield. You know, you could have the most talented running back on the team, not necessarily getting the – getting the number of snaps you'd think because he has to work with everybody else. You know, if he's not keeping pitch relation, if he can't make the block, then all of the skills he has with the ball in his hands are diminished. And that goes with the uh, offensive line as well. You might have a guy who's a little bit stronger who can handle his guy a little better, but for a team that relies so heavily on the run, you've got to have five guys that know what the other, but each one knows what the other four are doing and they're doing it in time. If you don't do that, it doesn't matter how many people you push around the play's not going to work as it's drawn up. Yeah, I agree. All right, Georgia Southern fans, we have a new offer for you guys at savannahnow.com. We want you guys to check it out. It's a newsletter focused on Georgia Southern athletics and Georgia Southern athletics only. This is a free opportunity for you guys to get caught up on all the latest news on the Eagles, whether it be on the football field, basketball court, baseball field, or what have you, but go join the mailing list for the newsletter, and this is how you do it. Go to savannahnow.com and look on the right side of the homepage, click Get Our Newsletters, and go from there. The newsletter will have a blog post once a week, as well as other relevant Georgia Southern stories, opportunities to subscribe to the podcast, and other insider notes that you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. All right, so let's jump to the defense. 3-4 defense under Scott Sloan in his second year. Um, everyone talks about the secondary, so we will not start there. We'll start up front where the Eagles are at, you know, as deep as they have been in a long time throughout the front seven. Um, I am so excited to see this linebacker unit, Mike. But we'll start up front at the very front with Raymond Johnson at DN. That he, you know, I didn't mention him. I guess he is 100% a lock at defensive end, and, and you know, he jumped off 
the page last year and, and with the stats that he put up, he jumped off the field when you saw him play too. I think at times he was a little overshadowed um, by Logan Hunt, rightfully so. Logan Hunt was was a really good player, um, but Raymond Johnson I think uh, is better, and I think that he's a really, really, really good pass rushing defensive end um, who can kind of work on his own on that one side. Uh, you'll have the tandem of of CJ Wright and Ty Phillips. I should say Ty Phillips and CJ Wright uh, at nose tackle. Um, those two guys, I think, are as good as it gets. Uh, you know, a really nice tandem. That's the kind of thing I'd like to see them get at quarterback. Kind of an older veteran guy who's established, but a guy like CJ Wright who you don't feel any problems at all with uh, bringing him in. Uh, one of the spots that are going to be really key on this defense in the fall, I think, is trying to find that other defensive end. And obviously, you'll rotate guys in and out in any game at, at that DN spot, but. Uh, if you have Raymond Johnson and Ty Phillips on the line already, um, that third spot I think is up for grabs. And right now, Mike, uh, from the way the depth chart looks and, and what it looks like, it looks like the other defensive end will either be uh, Quan Griffin, Justin Ellis, the Syracuse transfer who sat out last year, or Trevor Vleem. So you have those three guys um, kind of – I guess either jockeying for that other DN spot or jockeying for the position right behind Raymond Johnson. Um, how important for you, Mike, will that other DN position be? I mean, I think last year Johnson certainly benefited from having Hunt on the other side. Uh, you know, obviously he's a great player, but to have another pass rusher alongside, you, you, you know, your premier pass rusher, is you know a no-brainer good thing for for football teams i mean that is a, a great take on my part mike i'm gonna go ahead and say that uh for you who do you think out of these guys justin ellis uh quan griffin and Trevor vleem who would you like to see win the job and do you see a difference between any of those three guys as far as uh, what they offer on the field well i i think that uh you know you're gonna need more lives uh reps more scrimmage reps to really let them prove, uh, maybe get them all reps against the number one offensive line, let everybody see just who's being the most effective. Um, however, I'm going to have to go against your analysis of needing another pass rushing defensive end because it's a 3-4 system. And don't forget that a lot of 3-4s, the, uh, the, the front three are asked mostly to just take up as many bodies as you can to clear the way for linebackers to either rush a quarterback or get to the ball carrier before he can get uh, downfield. So it might not be that they're looking for the guy who can be the biggest disruptive force on the other end. It could just be who can, who can keep that edge contained, who can maybe uh, blast into the line to create disruption for a linebacker to run right through around him. So I don't think that they're necessarily looking for the guy who can be, you know, a, a mere opposite to uh, Raymond Johnson on the other side of the line. I think they're looking for the guy who can, uh, most consistently just execute his assignment on the play. A lot of times in that 3-4 scheme, when you're uh, Ty Phillips at the nose or one of the defensive ends with action behind him uh, with the linebackers, it's not so much about getting to the ball. It's about getting to all the guys who are trying to block for whoever's going to have the ball. Yeah, I mean, and look, that's fair, but I, I guess what I think is going to be so important for the Georgia Southern defensive front to get pressure without blitzing because you're going to have, and again, all this is predicated on you having a dominant secondary. And I, I'm confident Georgia Southern's going to have just that. And so if you've got Brinson and Vildor covering up for three, four or five seconds 
and you can generate a pass rush by only sending, you know, three, four, five guys, that spells success for Georgia Southern. I mean, obviously some some teams are gonna get the ball out quick. Some teams are gonna try to throw it underneath, you know, you know, over the linebacker level and in front of the safeties. Those are all things that that Sloan and the defense will account for for sure. But I think, you know, being able to get pressure on the quarterback without having to use those linebackers often on the blitz would be really game changing for, for this defense. Um, anything else from the defensive line, Mike, before we jump to the linebacker unit? No, I think you're just going to see maybe a lot more variety in the play calling this year because of exactly what you said. Yeah. I think that maybe the defense will remain kind of conservative like you saw last year early, uh, early in downs, early in series because they know that if they can just maybe bait a team into trying to get a few yards on first down, if you can hold them to one or two yards, if you can hold them on second down to a third and long, now you know that you can uh, uh, just pin your ears back and tell those guys on the front, yeah, you don't have an assignment. Your, your job is to get to that quarterback, and you can even bring more guys to help because you know that you've got guys like Bildor and Brinson that if you only give the quarterback a second and a half to throw, it's tough enough to complete a pass against those guys without being underdressed. So I think that, you know, depending on the down and distance, you're going to see a lot more versatility in the play goal calls this year. Yeah, and, you know, I think a lot, almost all of these guys are guys that can play on any down, which is nice. Oftentimes you'll see, and you'll still see this from Georgia Southern, but oftentimes you'll see uh, D linemen in to the game only on specific downs because that's all they're capable of. I think now you'll mm-hmm. see Georgia Southern rotating in and out based on number of plays they've played in a row and, and, and where they're at in the series and where they're at on the field as opposed to just bringing in a guy for third down because that's all he's got. Right, and so, plus with the with the depth in the front seven, I know this will carry into linebackers that you're about to talk about. Maybe if they're not even the best, uh, uh, say, pass rusher, you've gotten out of sync in uh, rotating guys and you don't have your best pass rusher available, just the sheer amount of depth in the front seven is going to allow Georgia Southern, say it's a third and 15 and – you know they've got a pass, you're going to have fresh legs to, to throw in there no matter who they are and just you know tell four, five, six guys to go get them. Yeah, King Segway, Mike. Thank you for that, Mikey Memory. Let's jump to the linebacker group. Um, this group is insanely good, boys and girls. I don't think there's a big drop-off, honestly, Mike, between linebackers one and eight, and that's pretty wild to say. So, you know, the depth chart for this position, I think, is just merely a guide. Um, and I don't know that all season long this thing will be set in stone ever, and that is a good thing in the linebacker unit. This is what uh, Sloan has lined up right now pre-camp for the linebacker unit, starting from the outside. If the season, I guess if the season started today, whenever you're listening to this, it would be this. You have uh, my favorite player on the Georgia Southern team. I love watching this guy play, Jay Browdry at the anchor spot, uh, number five, the redshirt senior. And then behind him, you have Lane Ecton, who will, who will see plenty of playing time, a pair of redshirt seniors there at the anchor position. Uh, weak side linebacker, you'll have Rashad Bird. Uh, as the one, John Ferguson as the two. Ferguson was an interesting guy last year, Mike. He, he did not eclipse the four games played, but man, he had a lot of plays. Like he played a lot of plays for Georgia Southern, and that's because the Clemson game, uh, when Georgia Southern lost their first forty-five linebackers uh, right. on the team, he he had to play, and he stepped in nicely uh, as well. Uh, in the middle, alongside Bird and Ferguson, you'll have Chris Harris Jr who right now is the number two um, at the Mike linebacker in the middle. And a, a guy that I, I've heard 
all about, Mike, and I cannot wait to see this guy play. The redshirt sophomore transfer from Furman, um, who sat out last year and was the scout team MVP from everything I've heard. Uh, Raynard Ellis, uh, the redshirt sophomore, 6'1", 230. Uh, he'll wear number 36 for Georgia Southern. He right now is slotted in as your starting Mike linebacker over returning starter Chris Harris. Um, and then at the dog position at the other outside linebacker spot, you got Randy Wade Jr. and Quinn Williams. I know you're high on Quinn Williams, Mike, have been for a while. I, I think at the outside spot, you can also um, include guys like Zion McGee and uh, Alvin Ward Jr. as well. Um, Mike, the linebacker unit as a whole, we, we could spend an hour talking about. We won't do that. Let's stay at that middle spot. Um, we talked about Justin Ellis, the defensive end transfer from Syracuse. He's eligible this year. Another Ellis on the defensive front that's also eligible this year, that's also a transfer, is Raynard Ellis. And, you know, if he steps in and is what they say he is, which is a tackling machine, um, then that will do wonders for Georgia Southern uh, right up the middle. For you, Mike, this linebacker unit, kind of who stands out for you? And, and maybe who are some of the guys that, that you think might end up making a name for themselves this fall? Well, I think that, you know, Reynard Ellis definitely is the, the biggest question mark, but also the biggest uh, uh, grounds for optimism for this linebacking core. And, you know, you said he took last year off, but I think that if you polled anybody – on the offense, they would not recall Reynard Ellis taking last year off. Uh, he was just a nightmare for them to deal with. Uh, I believe two years ago he had 90-plus tackles at Furman. Um, so uh, him along with Rashad Bird, who is a very, very uh, intimidating individual. I remember uh, hearing him yell back and forth at the offense during the, the spring game. They were getting into it in a, in, in a fun, competitive way, but still – when, when he puffs out his chest and starts uh, getting angry, he is an intimidating force in the middle. And those two guys playing together in the middle, that's exactly what you want out of this scheme. If you've got the, the line doing their job, holding some people up, and then the two inside linebackers, if they're taking out the run game in between the tackles, then it just allows you to do absolutely anything you want. You can shoot those uh, linebackers in on blitzes from the outside. You can cover however you want with the pass game. Uh, uh, it just opens up everything. If you know you've got two guys who, like you said about Ellis, all they do is wipe out runners, uh, rally or tally up the tackles all game. You got two guys who are getting 10 plus tackles a game in the middle. It lets you do whatever you want for the rest of the game defensively. Yeah. And like you said, Raynard Ellis had, he did have 92 tackles. That's pretty good. Mikey memory, uh, 92 tackles at Furman, uh, as a true freshman starting 10 of their 12 games. Uh, before electing to transfer. So, you know, a guy that I've talked about a lot and kind of kept tracking throughout uh, my time covering the Eagles has been Todd Bradley. This guy is just uber talented and a really, really, really good linebacker. Fact is that he hasn't been able to play enough to, to you know, allow uh, a lot of people to know that. But, but every time he plays, uh, you know, more than – a dozen plays and kind of gets in the groove. He starts to make tackle after tackle. And you saw that a little bit in the Clemson game before he too ended up getting hurt uh, in that game. But, you know, if you can have a guy like Todd Bradley kind of take his time coming back, maybe, you know, maybe be at a hundred percent by the time Louisiana comes to town um, on September 28th, that's another guy that can add uh, some, some, some depth to that linebacker group. Uh, Let's see. I'm trying. I don't want to forget any other names. Ben's Hoseway probably will factor in a little bit. Uh, 
on the outside as well at the linebacker group. Let, let's jump, Mike, go. Let's jump to the cornerback group and the safeties. Uh, you know, the cornerbacks, Vildor and Brinson locks. So let's jump straight to the nickel and dime. I think Georgia Southern has a lot of guys they can throw in at the third cornerback and fourth cornerback. But right now, I would think all signs point to the nickel being Jesse Liptrot, um, who who I think is a lot like Bowdry and, and a guy that can just bounce all over the field, sideline to sideline. Uh, I think a really, really good player, uh, um, Jesse Liptrot is. Uh, and then, you know, I think the fourth cornerback for now, Mike, would be would be Justin Birdsong. Um, I talked to Scott Sloan about Birdsong uh, last week as well when I was in Statesboro and asked him about Birdsong's uh, experience last year. Most of it, uh, probably 99% of it, can't, coming on special teams. Um, but he did play in a lot of games, 10-plus games, I think, um, so, you know, it was weird to have him burn that red shirt and not play defensively and not really contribute defensively as much. But uh, asking Sloan that, he said that, that Birdsong came to them early in the year and said that he wanted to play on special teams, like he wanted to contribute as a freshman and he wasn't concerned with losing that year of eligibility. So, you know, that kind of stood out for me that a guy would be that, you know, I I don't want to give him too much credit and say it's unselfish because he wants to play. I mean, I, I think everyone wants to play. Obviously, that's not really, you know, a team first move wanting to play. But I think it says something about Birdsong's character that he, that he's willing to forgo that year and kind of being that heady and, and knowing that that was what was at stake and kind of maybe the reason why some dudes weren't playing uh, was to save that year. Um, but But he did, you know impact the game at least a little bit uh, on special teams. I do remember him having some impact in that group. For you, Mike, how important do you think those number three and number four cornerback spots will be for Georgia Southern, especially going against, uh, you know, pass happy offenses? Well, I think it's going to, it's going to be big that they have someone like Liptrot who might not have quite the, the, the specs, the athleticism of someone like a bird song, but he's got the experience. And in the college game, that's invaluable. You can't put a price tag on that. Not only have you seen the game action, but, you know, you're a little bit older. And, you know, in the college game, 18- and 19-year-olds, they might have a lot of talent, but they still aren't finished growing. And it's a world of difference when you go up against a, a 21-, 22-year-old guy who's been through the ringer. He's got four years of college strength and conditioning uh, under his belt. And a lot of times they might not be as talented, but just out of experience and grit, they're going to be able to uh, – uh, have their way with some talented guys and whoever the third and fourth corners are, you know, they're going to see a lot of action because of who the number one and number two corners are. There's going to be a lot of uh, quarterbacks looking over the middle, looking into the flats. And it's going to take, you know, somebody besides uh, Vildor or Brinson to, to step up, make some hits and, you know, take away another part of the passing game for opponents. Yeah. We've touched on this a couple of times already. Let's, uh, I, I want to let listeners hear what Scott Sloan had to say. I asked him basically, you know, if he could put himself in the mind of an opposing offensive coordinator and kind of think for a minute what would be the first thing they think of, you know, on a Monday morning when they walk in and they have Georgia Southern the next Saturday. You know, if I'm that guy, and and luckily for all college football teams out there, I will not be that guy. I will not be the offensive coordinator of any teams anytime soon, uh, unless the NCAA video game comes back, in which case I'm in. Uh, but, but I basically asked him, I mean, isn't it kind of obvious that, you're going to game plan to try to throw it when you throw it, not at Vildor and not at Brinson. Now you may have some guys, uh, you know, some GI Joes that want to challenge Vildor and Brinson. I don't think that will go well. So I think, you know, if you're Sloan, you got to know that some other 
opposing offensive coordinators are going to try to attack you elsewhere. That might not be the third cornerback spot, but it's going to be elsewhere. Um, so I asked him that, and I thought what he had to say was pretty interesting. Hear what Sloan had to say when I asked him how he thinks opposing offenses will attack his unit. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, that's what I would. I would never want to challenge throw. those guys. Yeah. Try to find somebody else to challenge. Yeah, right. and that, and that could be people's plans. You know, I don't know. I mean, but there, there's good players in this league. I mean, mm. there's there's kids on scholarship on the other side. It's going to be running those routes that that are they're still going to challenge. Kendall and, and Man Man, I mean, it's just it's, it's not like it's going to be uh, playing against middle school talent right. on the other side. So, I mean, with Arkansas States and Troys and Apps and the yeah. guys, I mean, that's, you look at there's going to be some talented dudes, not to mention our, our out-of-conference schedule. Yes. You know? I mean, we, teams we'll teams have our hands here. full. Yeah, I mean, it's, we'll have our hands full out there on the edge. Now, the good thing is you feel like you can match up with people, but at the end of the day – they're on scholarship too. Yeah. On that other side, they're gonna they're gonna catch some stuff. balls. Yeah. You know, and there's gonna be some guys that those big wide receivers, the six three, two hundred five, two hundred ten pound big wide outs that can there. that can out you know muscle you sometimes. And yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't want to disregard the fact that there's gonna be some talented wide outs that we're gonna have to have to deal with. So that's fair. Yeah, the the linebacker unit this year it seems like there's a dozen guys that are you know legitimate players that good players this year. For you having you know coached defenses for a long time, where does this kind of the depth of this linebacker unit you know has it compared to other linebacker units you've had in the past? And it's got to be one of the deeper ones, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 extremely solid. I mean, there's a. There's a legit solid two deep at all four linebacker positions yeah. that whether this guy's in or that guy's in, you don't say manage a drop off. Yeah. You know, so um, that whole unit with the two inside and the two outside, you know, this we can we can play guys and we can roll guys in and roll guys out. It's- all right, so there you've got Coach Sloan saying, Yeah, I mean that you know, that's what he expects, but again they're gonna Georgia Southern just gonna be who they are. Um, and that's going to be guys that fly around to the football and kind of bend, don't break. Um, and I'm here for that because I think last year the scheme worked perfectly to the personnel that Georgia Southern had. I think you have the same type of personnel this year, but better across the board. So, you know, I think for me, the, when you talk about the secondary, the ability to have Brinson and Vildor on the outside can only help the inexperience at the back end, and, and and that leads us to safety, Mike. I think the Savannah State transfer, Donald Rutledge Jr., is going to be kind of the third guy and the second guy at both safety spots. I asked Sloan how interchangeable the strong safety and free safety spots are in his defense, and the answer was more or less not very. Um, you have to be really experienced and know both spots to play the strong spot, and I think that, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, to play the free spot. And I think for me right now, the two guys that would start at safety for Georgia Southern, and these are the two ones at the pre-fall depth chart, you'd have uh, Daryl Baker, uh, the redshirt junior, and Kendrick Duncan Jr., um, who was coached by Kevin Whitley at Stockbridge High School um, just south of Atlanta. So you'd have Kendrick Duncan and Daryl Baker, uh, at safety, uh, some other names to kind of keep an eye on would be uh, true freshman Treon Pace, uh, redshirt junior Trey Cofield, and then obviously Donald Rutledge Jr. I, Mike, you can correct me if you think that 
this might be reaching a little bit. Do you think that Rutledge at safety being a graduate transfer, you know, he played at Savannah state. So I'm not going to pretend like he was playing against, you know, the new England Patriots, you know, and the Steelers every week, but you know, he is an older guy who has kind of been through the ringer. Savannah state played its fair share of road games and, you know, did not fare well in them. So I think, you know, he's not going to be scared. What'd you say? I said, that's charitable. That's charitable. Yeah. I thought you said, that's they, said they didn't do well. <laughs> yeah. I thought you said that's terrible. And I was like, terrible. I, you need to go back. <laughs> but, but, you know, in all, in all seriousness, Mike, I do think, you know, and I, I kind of want to hit myself for saying something like this, the experience in that unit that Rutledge will bring will be important. Uh, you know, as, as kind of coach speak, as that sounds to have a guy that that's been in front of 110,000, and you know, frankly, probably got gotten his ass beat in in front of a hundred thousand playing playing at places like Miami. Uh, they played at Oklahoma State. They played at uh, UAB during his time there. Florida State played all over, and and Rutledge has been there and done that. A guy like Kendrick Duncan, uh, who saw some experience last year with with Sean Freeman missing some games and Moon uh, with his suspension as well for one game. So uh, Kendrick Duncan Jr. will have some experience coming back. It'll be kind of a revolving door during the fall, Mike, but are, are you at least semi-confident that Georgia Southern will have two to three capable guys in the back? Yes, I think that come opening day, barring any injuries during fall camp, there's going to be at least you know uh, two at each position that Sloan isn't going to uh, be too worried about putting out there. Now, a lot of it has to do with the fact that you can depend on Bildor and Brinson to pick up a lot of slack if there's someone that you're not as confident in. But when you've got, like you said, the experience of a guy like Rutledge, I think that even if it's a whole new system and it takes him a while to really figure it out, just having that sort of experience, having all those years of uh, playing time and being out there, it's a good enough safety blanket for uh, uh, doing what they're going to ask the safeties to do, which might not be a lot on uh, uh, plays where you're really uh, dependent on your corners to shut a guy down. So it could make things a little bit easier for the guys who are still learning. But I really think a guy to watch for is Duncan. You know, everybody talks about Bildor's breakout season last year. And while he didn't have quite the numbers, didn't play, didn't have quite as many snaps, I thought that Duncan was the one guy who, you know, went from totally off the radar to a big part of that defense whenever he was on the field, even on special teams last year. He was a guy that uh, right around the Clemson game, you know, when all the linebackers get hurt, all of a sudden there's this – uh, new guys stepping up, making tackles, making plays against guys twice his size. So he definitely doesn't have any fear. Another year of experience under his belt should help him. And if he becomes a guy who can fly up into a hole to make a stop on a, a running play and then play an effective center field with the, the two corners locking down the sides, Duncan could easily be a breakout star for this defense this year. Yeah, I'm excited and anxious to see what that safety position is going to look like. All right, that's it for us, Mike. You want to let everyone know how they can find your stuff and follow you online? Sure, you can read me uh, if you're in the Statesboro area every day in print in the Statesboro Herald. Uh, you can go to statesboroherald.com. We put out uh, web shows. They'll get more frequent as we get further into fall camp. And uh, during games, you can follow me on Twitter at, at G, uh, Herald GS Sports. Awesome, Mike. Well, g- give me one second. Let me update you quickly on the NLE standings. The, your Phillies are now six and a half games back of those Bravos. W- what's gone wrong in the city of brotherly love, Mike? Uh, their bullpen has gotten about 
seven combined innings out of guys that they paid a collective $50 million this year. Well, what we got to do is we got to work on Gabe Kapler's ability to warm those guys up prior to bringing them in. Um, yeah, I know that is time. revolutionary. That's a long time in the past. But oh, is it? <laughs> it? It would help if they have a bullpen. They are still right in the thick of the wild card standings. And, uh, you know, the, the Braves uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, their bullpen hasn't exactly been anything to brag about. But what they have done is been able to, up until last well, night, they've won. They've Saturday won. morning. Well, they've won, and also I they've been very, very healthy, which everybody still can say other than maybe Nick Marquez right now. But uh, as long as they stay healthy, they're going to be tough to track down by the Phillies, Nationals, or anybody else uh, right up until they play the Dodgers, who are going to win the World Series no matter who they have to go through. The Dodgers are, are a crazy good baseball team. I think They're the on a different have, level. The Phillies might have done well for themselves to take some of that money out of right field and maybe throw it in the bullpen, but what do we know, right? No. No, no, you're just no. saying that because you wish you had that kind of money. I do. I do wish I had that kind of money. All right, I want to remind all you guys uh, what we got coming up. Don't forget to go online, savannahnow.com slash digital only offer and sign up for your trial subscription for a month for free. Uh, go check out all the stories you missed and uh, subscribe uh, how you want to after that. But first 30 days are free at savannahnow.com slash digital only offer. Uh, ask you guys to rate, subscribe, and share this podcast. Um, give us some feedback of what you guys want to hear, what you guys like, what you don't like. You can tweet at Mike about the Phillies and about how bad they are this year, having spent all that money. Uh, you can tweet us your thoughts on the Georgia Southern football team moving forward. They're and over kind 500 of right in the wild card race. Come on, man. We got a lot of baseball left to play. Oh, man. I feel bad for you because you're still holding on hope. That We'll check in on that on your Phil's next episode. Thank you, guys. Listen, thank you guys for joining us sincerely. Thank you for being around all, all offseason. Um, the time is coming, guys. It's not long now. Football season's close. We're just over a month away till the Eagles go to Death Valley for LSU, and we are literally hours away from Georgia Southern reporting to fall camp for 2019. All right, we'll be with you guys uh, throughout fall camp. Check us out, savannahnow.com, for all the stories. And until then, we'll see you. Oh, he will. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. Down the sideline. If he can get loose, he's gone. Illigway will score. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern.